Thank you, Michael. That is a great song. That'd be a good song for us to listen to when we get ready to sit down and read the Bible, wouldn't it? Asking God to let us hear His ancient words speak to us today. When you were a child, did you ever maybe lean against a door jam or maybe even a wall and let one of your parents measure how tall you were? If you didn't do that as a child, maybe your parents did that for you. Just out of curiosity, how many of you have ever done that? With your child? Or, okay, a lot of people have. We did that with our boys. It's fun, isn't it? As children to see how you grow and as parents to look back at how they have grown over the years. But you know, once we get to be adults, some of us make the mistake of thinking that our growing years are, old, are over. Now, it's true. You reach a point where you do not grow taller. And we're certainly not going to spend any time on growing wider this morning. Because we don't want to think about that. But in most other ways, shouldn't we throughout our lives want, really put forth the effort to grow mentally, emotionally, some people just need to get mature. They're 50 years old and still haven't grown up. I was in a restaurant one time with people. And I tore off the end of that straw and I hit them upside the head. And it made them so mad they looked at me and said, grow up. And I said, no, I don't want to. Some things you don't want to just not have fun in life. But at the same time, we need to grow. We need to grow relationally in our relationships, expand our relationships. Well, if we're Christians, our number one priority when it comes to growth should be our spiritual growth. And there's several reasons for saying that. Number one, spiritual growth is God's number one priority for us if we are His children. I want you to think. God puts His Spirit in us when He saves us. And from that moment on, the Holy Spirit works in us to give us desires and the ability to please God, to grow and mature and please God and be able to do God's will. God works through all the events of our lives, hard times and good times, to shape and mold our character making us more and more like His Son. We read about in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Well, if you think about it, our spiritual growth will positively affect every aspect of our lives. If we grow spiritually, if we develop the right kind of character, Christ-like character, it'll affect every relationship we're involved in. It'll affect how we treat people, how we talk to people, how we talk about people. Spiritual growth will enhance every relationship. It will make you a better, more godly human being. Now, the number one tool that God uses to help us to grow spiritually, you know, it's the Bible. The Bible contains everything that we need to know in terms of our knowledge of God God's world, ourselves, how to live in a right relationship with God, how to be right with other people. 
The Bible really contains everything we need in terms of what we should believe and how we should live in order to please God, serve the people God's put in our lives, and if we do that, really, if we as Christians have this desire, put forth the effort to please God and serve other people, it will come back to us as something that makes life worthwhile. It'll give us a sense of, of meaning and even purpose in our lives. Now, the Bible doesn't just provide general instructions about the way we live. The Bible also addresses specific issues that interfere with our spiritual growth. For an example, most of the New Testament letters were written to churches, Christians, that were having particular problems. Most of the New Testament letters were written to correct problems that were preventing Christians from growing. In some cases, that the growth had just had gone backward. They not only ceased to grow, but they were falling back into some immoral lifestyles. Well, for the past four weeks, we've been looking at one particular letter, 2 Peter, and toward the end of chapter 3. Go ahead and turn back there if you would. This letter was written primarily to address problems that were caused by false teachers. False teachers who were teaching some things that were not true about the second coming of Jesus, but also 2 Peter was written to combat the influence of false teachers, as we saw last week, who were doing some immoral things. They were twisting Scripture to say things that the Bible does not say. So Peter addresses this problem in this second letter. He addressed the problems of the kind of people these false teachers were in chapter 2 in particular. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at how Peter closed out his letter by calling Christians to live faithfully and grow spiritually until the day comes when we see Jesus face to face. Let's read one more time. 2 Peter chapter 3 beginning in verse 13. He says, But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Peter has spent the most part of chapter 3 up to this point correcting the false teaching about the return of Jesus. Well now in verse 14, he's, he's done that, he's corrected that. In verse 14, He's going to close out the letter by telling us some things, commanding some things that we ought to do that will help us to grow spiritually, to actually be prepared to see Jesus when He comes back. Look at it, verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by Him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. 
but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The day is going to come when we are going to stand before the Lord and look Him in the eye. It will be either the day we die or if we're alive when He returns, it'll be that day. But what Peter is telling us here will help us when we see him to have a smile on our face and to see a smile on his face instead of us being afraid. Let's take his instructions to heart. Look at them. Number one, get serious about your character. We saw that the first week. Number two, make the most of God's patience. Number three, stay on guard against false teachers. Two things about what we've seen about that. Don't listen to teachers who twist the meaning of Scripture to change what the Bible clearly teaches about right beliefs and behaviors. Don't listen to people that it's obvious from you listening to them and what you know about the Bible, they're not telling the truth. They are being deceptive. Don't even listen to them. Number two, don't allow anyone or anything to undermine your biblically-based convictions and cause you to fall away from a close relationship with God. If there's anyone or anything in your life right now that is tempting you to compromise what you know is right, get away from them. Don't listen. Don't be around them. Don't let anyone or anything tempt you even to compromise what you know is the right way to live before God, the right way to live with your spouse, with your children. Don't listen. Don't, be, don't even allow such temptation in your life. Now the last thing we find in this passage is a positive word about the best way to develop Christian character and guard against false teachers. Let's look at it. Number four, make your spiritual growth a lifelong priority. Look at the first sentence of verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The key to being spiritually healthy is to continue to grow. Someone said that living a Christian life is like riding a bicycle. Unless you keep moving, you fall off. Peter would have said that if he had known what a bicycle was. It makes the point to be a healthy Christian, to be a stable person in what you believe and how you live. You've got to keep on growing because no one stands still. Now this last sentence we just read is really a summary statement of this whole letter. Peter is actually telling us here now the best way for you to guard against false teaching. The best way for you to not have your convictions compromised is to stay focused on listening to God, walking with God, growing in your relationship with Jesus. Now, he tells us here we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. So let's, let's think about what he's talking about. Number one, grow in grace. You know that grace is God's undeserved favor. His unearned favor. Well, Peter uses this word here to describe in a little bit more detail 
the spiritual strength that the Lord gives us, which is unearned, undeserved. The way the Lord may give us spiritual strength, the way the Lord may grace us, and one of the ways He does grace us, is He puts His Spirit in us, and the Holy Spirit works in us to give us the character qualities called the fruit of the Spirit. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are grace gifts from God. Now, the idea here may be that the Lord gives us the ability to demonstrate these qualities, especially when we have to deal with difficult people and difficult situations. That's where it becomes hard, isn't it? I've never had too many problems just being in general a loving and joyful person when I'm alone. I mean, I have good, I can ride down the road and have great thoughts. I can sit down in my house when no one's around and read the Bible. I'm a pretty, pretty godly guy. And I'm going to guess you are too. But it takes some effort to love certain people. It takes some effort to really be able to experience joy in life, in your relationship with the Lord, around certain people, doesn't it? You know some of those people. You may be some of those people. We need help sometimes. There's a lot of times in my life where I truly feel like I am a peaceful and patient person. But then I get in my truck and I drive to Easley on Highway 8 and there's somebody in front of me in the left lane doing 35 miles an hour. I am anything but a uh, patient and peaceful person at that time. I need help. If I've ever been behind you, I'm sorry at some of the things I may have mouthed off or some of the signs I may have shown. Not, I, didn't, I don't do that kind of stuff. You wouldn't see it. <laughs> but you know what I mean. There's things, there's people, situations in your life where you need God to help you to think and act with self-control, with patience. Peter is writing here and telling us that while we are always dependent upon God's grace, we can't make, we don't save ourselves and we can't make ourselves more like Jesus. We can't develop Christ-like character on our own. Only God can truly do that work in us, but God requires that we cooperate with Him as He works. God requires that we obey Him when He gives us the desire to do His will, to do the right thing. The point here in verse 18 is that we are to grow. Peter is writing to Christians, people like us. He says to you, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. We are commanded in various parts of the New Testament to put forth real Effort. Look at it. Here's some examples from Hebrews. Strive. Strive. Work at it. Put forth great effort. 
for peace with everyone because some people it's hard to do. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now think about that. We are to strive for peace with everyone and to develop holy character. Godly character. Being different from the world kind of character. And look at this from James chapter 1. You know this. He said just real plainly, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. You know, coming to church, being in Sunday school, if you were, being in this service, we're reading the Bible. We're listening to the Bible being read. Don't congratulate yourself. What God is concerned is not just what we hear, although that's important, but that we act on what we hear. I don't want to discourage anyone from coming to church, but by you hearing this, you're sort of on the hook. Every time we come to church, every time we read the Bible for ourselves, we are becoming more aware of our responsibility before God, and He's going to hold us accountable for it. So hear what James is saying. Hear what the writer of the Hebrews is saying. And then look at one more. Paul emphasized the grace of God more than because of the volume of what he wrote in the New Testament. But Paul understood that we are still responsible to obey God and put forth great effort. I want you to look at what he said in, at the end of 2 Corinthians 9. He's using an athletic uh, idea here, picture for us. Look at it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul, I exercise this great self-control. I discipline myself. I'm very purposeful, he's saying. He understood how important it is. It's just part of living a Christian life. It's a part of living a Christian life. God works in us through His Spirit to give us the right kind of desires. He'll give us the ability to put it into practice. But we've got to obey. We've got to strive. We've got to exercise self-control. Sometimes we've got to close our mouths. Sometimes we've got to say something kind. Sometimes we've got to go out of our way, inconvenience ourselves to Meet someone's need. Sometimes we've got to give money. Sometimes we've got to give time. It's a part of our responsibility, being obedient to what God's doing in us through His Spirit. And the question now is for us, you think, am I growing in such grace? Am I cooperating with God? as He gives me the right kind of desires. See, all of us, we have good desires a lot of times and good intentions. We're going to make that call to that person that we know we need to say a good word to. We have the right desire about saying something positive, encouraging someone, or not repeating the gossip. 
but we don't follow through. We need to be growing in the grace that God gives us. And the question is, are you? Number two, we need to grow in knowledge. This refers to growing in our knowledge of Christ in terms of our relationship with Him. And growing in our knowledge about Him. We need to have a growing personal relationship with the Lord that touches our heart and soul. We need to have a heartfelt faith, a heartfelt relationship with Him that affects the way that we feel and and live our lives. But at the same time, we need to have a growing knowledge of the Lord, who He is, what He's done, how we can follow Him. We need to have a relationship with Him that affects the way that we think and what we think. You know, our knowledge of Jesus will include knowledge of uh, of all the what all the Bible says about living his, as his follower, not just learning about, not just having knowledge of Jesus, but all about being like him, following him. And if we'll do that, that will help us to spot false teaching and avoid being led astray. You know, it's impossible for us to know everything that all the cults around us today believe. It's impossible for us to be up to date on all the different ways people twist Scripture. But we don't have to be. It's our responsibility as Christians to know what the Bible actually teaches. Know what the Bible teaches about Jesus. What it means to trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord. What it means to follow Him, to grow in the development of Christ-like character. And if we'll know the truth of God's Word in a general way, we'll have a a solid, basic Christian doctrine, teaching. We'll be able to spot those who teach error. We'll be able to spot those who are twisting the Scripture to say something that it does not mean. We need to know the truth. So I want to ask you again, how well are you growing in grace and knowledge? Chuck Swindoll makes a helpful point about keeping our growth in grace and knowledge both in balance. Look at what he says. The trick is keeping these two in balance. For example, grace will keep you tolerant and strong and loving while knowledge will keep you strong. Grace will make you compassionate while knowledge will make you discerning. Grace will help you smile. Knowledge will help you think. And then he says, to monitor your progress, ask yourselves these questions. Now listen, look at it, ask yourselves these questions. Have I come to the place where some of the things that once threw me no longer do? Am I stable where I once was not? Can I handle things that I once could not? Now you think about you. What are some things in your past that really threw you? Do they no longer because you've grown? What about some ways that you used to think or feel that really was unstable, unhealthy? Have you worked through that? Have you grown? Are you now more stable in certain ways that you weren't? 
few years ago were there things that you just absolutely go to pieces about. You could not handle, couldn't deal with certain people. Have you grown to the point where by God's grace, with His help, you can now? It is very important for us to think about if we have grown, there should be evidence in our lives. People around us, people who know us, should see. None of us have arrived, but there should be growth. Steve Brown says something along that line that I think is very helpful. I want you to look at what he says. God is not looking so much at where we are along the road of spiritual maturity. Instead, he's looking at two things. First, he wants to know where you have come from. And second, he wants to know the direction you are going. Then he says, you may not be as far down the road of spiritual maturity as the person sitting next to you, but that's okay. As long as you are moving forward. Are you moving forward in your spiritual growth? Are you further along than you were this time last year? Are you a lot further along than you were five years ago? You know, you may look around in this room and you may see some people that you think, they're just a, a God, that's just a godly man. That lady, she, she, she's just a saint. They, they are just so wise and knowledgeable about the things of God. And you look up to them. That's good. Nothing wrong with them being ahead of you. But you should be living such a life you should have made such progress that there are some people who are looking at you. And they see how God has been and is changing you. They see how you don't have the temper you used to have. They see that you're more gracious than you used to be, more generous than you used to be. So they're looking up to you. See, in this room, in terms of spiritual growth. Some people are over here. Some are here, some are here, some are here. If we came back six months from now, according to what we're being taught here, all of us ought to be a little bit further along than where we are now. So the question this morning is not, are you a perfect Christian? We're really not talking about how godly you are. We're talking this morning is, about are you growing? Are you maturing? Are you advancing as a Christian in your knowledge of the Lord, your love for Him, your service to Him, your commitment to Him? You're becoming like Him. That's the point. Let me ask you this What do you do to move forward? How are you seeking to move forward? Are you using the means of grace that God has given to all of us to grow spiritually? There are no secrets. You know, you might pick up a book somewhere, the secret to a, secret to a happy Christian life, secret to this or that. There are no secrets. It's all in the Bible. God has given us certain spiritual disciplines, certain uh, means of grace to help us grow spiritually. Here's what they are. Let me ask you in the form of this question. Are you spending time with God every day? 
Do you pray? Your prayer life has something to do with where you are on this growth continuum. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is honoring God, praising Him, thanking Him, confessing your sin to Him, seeking His will, talking to Him about whatever's going on in your life, talking to Him on behalf of other people. It's also in listening to Him is during such a time. Are you reading the Bible? The Bible is the primary way God speaks to us. The Bible is the most objective, clear way that God makes himself and his will known to you and me. Are you spending time with God every day? We all spend time every day doing something. I want you to think. Are you growing more aware, more in your knowledge of what's going on in the world of sports? What's happening in the news? What the weather's going to be? Are you growing more and more in your knowledge of what all your friends are doing on Facebook? Nothing wrong with those things. But is that where you are growing? That's what you're concentrating on to the neglect of growing in your relationship with God by spending time with Him. You know, if you're addicted to social media, you're addicted to that phone or iPad, whatever, get you a Bible app. There's a lot of good things you can read. You just got to read it electronically. What we need to understand is God has given us, given His people, certain what we'll call means of grace, spiritual disciplines that will help us and nothing else will take their place. Help us to grow. We all spend time doing things that don't absolutely have to be done. I know more more about what's going on in the sports world now than I need to know. I know more about what's going on in the world today by reading news than I need to know. But at the same time, I do know a little bit about what God's saying in His Word because I am spending some time with Him in His Word and talking to Him. You don't have to just read the Bible all the time. I'm asking Are you, as a Christian, seeking to grow in your relationship with the Lord, seeking to know Him better, love Him more, know how you can please Him by spending time talking to Him and listening to Him through prayer and the Bible? That tells the tale about how and if we will grow spiritually. There's something else that's important. Are you involved with other Christians in meaningful fellowship where you can talk about what God's doing in your life? or not doing, where you can ask questions, where you can give and receive encouragement? Are you involved in real relationships with Christians who care about their relationship with the Lord? And when you talk with them, you can be real. Nobody's nobody's, nobody's got it all together. Nobody's life is all together. Nobody's life is perfect. Nobody has a perfect job, perfect health, perfect children, perfect parents. Do you have friends in your life who are Christians, who have a Christian worldview? They look at life through the lens of Scripture. And you can talk about things that are, that are problems, issues, struggles, pains for you. That's important. It's important to be able to talk to God, but it's important also to be able to look somebody in the eye that loves God like you do and will listen to you 
and sometimes do nothing more than just listen. Maybe encourage you. Maybe pray with you. But there are some people that can, can really help you. They're wiser, have more experience, been there, done that. We need that kind of Christian fellowship. And I'm talking here now about just having Christian friends wherever, inside or outside the church. But we all need to be involved in the life of a church. We all need to be involved in the life of a church where we come together to worship, to evangelize, share the gospel, to learn, to love together. We need to be a part of a church that is truly a spiritual wellness center. Are you involved? Are you helping our church to be that? You know, all the things Peter has called us to be and do over the past few weeks, what he's telling us right here this morning, all of this will help us to do the last thing we see in verse 18. Give glory to the Lord Jesus. Look at it. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. When we are living the kind of life that we're reading about, the kind of life that Peter describes, our greatest concern will not be about just pleasing ourselves. It'll be about pleasing the Lord. When we're zeroed in seeking to live the Christian life that He is calling us to live, the idea of knowing the Lord better, loving Him and serving Him more faithfully will be something that we desire. Is it something that you desire? You know, all of us in this room, we're involved in all kinds of things Monday through Saturday, as we should. We, we're, we're in homes with families. We, we, we're places where you work. You're in school with people. You're doing things with friends in the afternoons and evenings. What we're talking about here is living like a Christian, seeking to grow and develop Christian character in the midst of all that we do. And wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we are a Christian. We're living like the Lord's people there. And if we can't do that there, we don't need to be there. Sometimes when it's hard to do it there, we can be the best witnesses, the most powerful influence when it's hard. I want to close out this message and this series by encouraging you to do three things. Number one, be confident that you will see the Lord one day with a smile on your face and a smile on His face because you have a real and right relationship with Him. Do you have that now? If you don't, it can all change this moment. If you're not a Christian with a real relationship with Him and you want to be, Maybe you've made people think you are. Just admit it to God and everyone else. It has not been real. Repent of your sin. Humble yourself before God. Put your trust in Jesus for real. That he died for you. That through faith in him you can be forgiven by God and made a child of God. Call upon him to save you now, this moment. If you know you are a Christian, but right now you're not close to him, admit whatever it is. Admit the sin that's 
cause this barrier between you and him. Make some changes in your life that he's showing you you need to make. Maybe some changes in relationships. Come back to him right now with a total commitment to seeking to know, love, and follow Jesus with all your heart. Number two, until the Lord returns, don't be misled by false teaching. From now till the day you die, line up, measure, evaluate everything by what you know the truth of God's Word really says. And don't listen to, be led astray. Don't have your convictions undermined by anything that is contrary to the clear meaning of the Bible. And then number three, make it your daily goal to grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God will give you the ability. If you're a Christian with the Spirit of God living within you, God will give you the desire. We've just got to obey. Will you? Let's pray.